Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of DEI After Five. Now, if you have followed me or watched me or anything around social media, you have noticed that I've been doing a lot more talk around focusing on people managers and people leaders. And the reason why is because they are essential in everything that we do around diversity, equity, and inclusion, creating psychologically work, uh, psychologically safe workspaces, um, and all of the things that we do to build these more inclusive cultures within our organizations. And so today we're going to continue that conversation. My guest today is Lauren Rosario Maldonado, who is an expert in this space. And I'm just so excited to have her um, have this conversation today around the importance of, of having these leaders um, take on these roles when it comes to their cultural intelligence in this space. So Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so excited for this opportunity. Absolutely. So Lauren, for anyone that may not know you or just learning about you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Lauren Rosario Manzanado. I am the CEO and founder for Cultura Inc. It's a global uh, consulting organization dedicated to teaching leadership skills in companies across the globe. Wonderful. And how did you get into this work? This work started after spending many, many years a long time uh, in global multinationals and learning about the different nuances in leadership from motivating employees to uh, making sure they have the tools and resources to perform to just creating a great employee experience. I understood uh, that I came to understand that there's one thing that remains constant, no matter what industry, no matter what um, role you play, and that's the subject of culture. Mm. And culture in and of itself is shaped by so many things. Some things are seen and some things are unseen. Uh, but the one thing that does help you leverage whichever culture you're in, in an organization is navigating uh, the individual styles of the people within that culture. And as I mentioned before, some of those aspects are visible and some of them are invisible. Absolutely. And so that led me to start Cultura Inc., which is dedicated to creating great, um, great organizational cultures across the globe. I love it. You know, and, you know, as I said at the top, I've been doing a lot more work in this space because I'm noticing a couple of things. One, you know, the middle managers are, in fact, the glue that make all of this kind of happen. But they are also the ones that determine the culture. Right. And it's and what I've been saying lately to a lot of my clients is your culture is not what is written on the cafeteria wall. Right. It's not those statements. It is the behaviors and the beliefs and the attitudes um, that happen every single day in those interactions with each other, right? And, and so 
when we're talking about inclusive cultures or we're talking about in cultures that are globally minded, you know, what does that look like um, in the work that you do? It looks like definitely a continuous journey of evolving and adapting, right? Mm -hmm. Cultures evolve, they're not static. And so what works today is not gonna work next month or the month after. So what it takes is constant monitoring of those shifts and how to adapt to those shifts um, in your organizational practices. For example, uh, we conduct poll surveys. That's, that's the norm. In every yeah. single organization, you have poll surveys. But what you do with those poll surveys and the questions you ask need to evolve with as the culture evolves, right? Just because you have a poll survey with a set of questions in January um, doesn't mean that you have to use those same questions in June because June right. may have different forces, both internal and external forces that influence the shifts that are happening. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the biggest shifts that um, has impacted everyone has been the pandemic, right? Everyone had to make some type of accommodations and shifting during that time. But now what we're seeing in this post-pandemic workplace is when the cultures shifted to accommodate everyone working from home, there is no returning back, right? So when you talked about um, cultures always evolving and ever-changing, especially um, with things that are happening outside of the organization, that is the one example that immediately comes to mind because I, I'm constantly hearing, I just want us to go back to where we were before the pandemic. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever be back there, right? We might have aspects of it, but yeah, I, I think the culture is absolutely changing um, globally when it comes to how we work and well, not even just how we work, but the expectations employees have of their employers. 100%. And it's up to, it's up to the leaders within the organization to guide that conversation. I've seen all types of activities in that spectrum. I've seen companies that used to be 100% in office and have gone 100% uh, remote. I've seen companies that, because of the nature of the business, they have uh, had to go back to to the norm of having everyone in the office. But the way that you carry out these these activities is what matters to the employees. It's not so much that people don't want to return to the office as much as they want to remain the focus of the conversation. Hmm. If there is a business need for to have the employees in the office, talk about it. Be transparent about it and make sure that the employees are involved each step of the way so that it helps them transition back. Um, if you are shifting to 100% remote, talk about it, explain why, and explain why that's important for the company and how that, that impacts that employee. Making sure that the employee's voice is not only heard, but that those words that are spoken are embedded in the organizational strategy and activities that take place. Absolutely. Um, you know, when, as you were talking, the word that kept coming to mind was transparency, right? You just have to be transparent about the process. Um, and so, you know, at the top, I did talk about 
the importance of kind of middle managers and people leaders in this process. And we often talk high level at the organization level, right? The organization needs to do X. The organization needs to do Y. But the organization is made of people. Like we all <laughs> know that. And so none of this work, the cultural work, um, the, the shifting, the communication all happens with people leaders. But what I'm constantly hearing also is I don't have time <laughs> to manage all of these things, all of these moving parts, right? I need, we have um, results that we need to get out by the end of the day. That's what I'm focused on, right? And that's what I need my people to be focused on. But again, we're in this post-pandemic space where folks are like, I don't want to be a widget, right, in this wheel. I want to be seen as an individual. I want to be um, seen as valued as part of this organization. I want to be able to learn and grow and thrive here as well. And so I want to take our conversation into the direction of like building those skills for those people leaders. What are some things that they can do to at least start to understand the importance of their role in creating these cultures of communication and inclusivity? I would say the very first step is to take a step back actually and really understand what your role is and the impact it has on your employees. If you don't understand that, and maybe you do, but you haven't necessarily connected with it in a while, which is is easy to happen. This is the one uh, wrong in an organization that feels the brunt of everything. They have mm -hmm. one foot in strategy and one foot in the operation, so it's tough. So the very first thing is to understand what role you play and the impact that role plays on the individuals you, you serve and you lead. The other, uh, I would say the other step is to assess your employees yourself outside of a formal 360. Ask transparent questions about what it is that they expect from you and how you can help them through navigate uh, whatever change or whatever context you're, you're managing. Yeah. And then three, you know, we hear a lot about resilience and adaptability, but I would say the number three, you can't build resilience if you don't give yourself the grace to learn the skills you need to navigate. Yeah. This time, the next context and the next context. So give yourself the grace to learn and to develop your skills. We could talk about soft skills all day long. We could talk about the hard skills all day long, the technical skills, but give yourself the room and the space to learn and to adapt yourself because it all starts with you. That's the tough part of being middle management, right? So yeah. pay attention to how you learn and how you learn best. And give yourself that space to learn and evolve yourself so that you can help others evolve. You know, I'm so glad you opened that door <laughs> because, you know, I, I literally just finished. There's so many doors. Oh, there's, there's lots of doors. There's, there's lots of doors. With this particular door. Um, oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm in the escape room. <laughs> Where um, it's that that internal work that I think mm. so many leaders skip, right? I recently did a quick survey of folks and like, where did you learn your leadership skills 
from. And so many people said on the job training, like just watching someone else, there was no formal anything um, that took place or they actively went and, and sought out leadership development programming, but there was nothing to help them build those skills. And, you know, the was very eye-opening for me in, in hearing that or seeing that was, <coughs> excuse me, was no, no one said anything about doing their own internal work. Like no one mentioned, okay, what are my values? You know, who do I want to be as a leader? What is impacting how I show up as a leader, right? Who am I modeling my, my leadership skills after? Or who do I aspire to be? You know, like none of those things kind of came up. And so as, I, and as I'm listening to you and I'm kind of thinking through what's important around like leadership development is so many people miss that first step. It's self-leadership. Yeah, it's self-leadership. It's to your point, you know, your values, understanding your values is not enough because they evolve, right? Your values when you were in your 20s and starting out your career may not be the same as they are when you're 30 and, and in your 30s or in your 40s in the middle of your career. Right. So self-work is absolutely critical. It's, it's not taught enough. It's not cultivated enough in organizations. It's not it's not leveraged enough yet it's so powerful if you're going to be the manager and the leader of people why not start with leading yourself and you know i <laughs> i talk so much about self-care because i've been there i've yeah. been that manager where i was burnt to the ground and i you know i was too burnt to manage or lead effectively and so that came across that burnout was transferred to my team same. But yeah. once I, you know, started um, taking these things seriously, getting my sleep, eating well, doing some kind of sweating activity every day, then I became a better manager. Then I was able to create space for my team to, to be themselves and to grow them um, as a manager and as a leader. So it definitely starts with self-leadership, 100%. And, you know, and I think part of that too is... looking at the ugly parts <laughs> as well too. Right? Icky. Yeah. You know, I think there's so many um, managers that I come across when I'm doing psychological safety work with them and, and coaching it's, they're so wonderful at, okay, but I need to, these are the things I need to do externally. Right. And when it's the internal stuff, it's only a little bit, Oh, I need to focus on this part. And I'm like, well, what part are you avoiding? What part are you putting kind of on a back burner because you don't want to deal with that? And sometimes that could be um, having courageous conversations or dealing with conflict because, you know, probably at some point in their lives, they had horrible experiences with conflict. And so they avoid it. And that comes up in their leadership style as well, too. And so as you're, we're talking about this self leading, right? And self-coaching. I always say, you know, as a coach, your first client is you. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. How 
are we looking at those icky parts and really diving deep into how that may manifest as as a part of our leadership style, right? You mentioned my favorite phrase, which is courageous conversations. Um, because they're courageous because you have to start with being courageous yourself with mm -hmm. yourself. If, if you're not having that self conversation in a courageous way and really digging down into the icky, you can never do that with someone else. Never. Yeah. And part of what makes management tough right now is because we are in this perpetual endemic state where you know we're suffering from a lot of the lingering things that were exacerbated during the pandemic yeah so there is no back to normal there is no you know going back to the old way this is here to stay and the future of work is now so you have all of these different factors that have compounded even more reason why we have to take take a step back and have that courageous conversation with ourselves. Do I really like what it is that that uh, that I do or how I show up? Do I really like how I'm leading others? Am I being am I having the impact that I want to have with my team? What do they expect from me? Am I meeting their needs? Am I meeting their demands? Because in the end, it comes down to basics. Yeah. And if we can't cover the basics for ourselves, how can we think we're going to do it with, with anyone else, let alone our team? Yeah. You know, and so I, I know we went down a whole other path, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's so important because it, it does tie back to culture. It does yes. tie back to the behaviors and attitudes that people encounter every single day. Yes. And so as a leader, you know, one of the questions that they should ask themselves is how am I contributing positively or negatively to this culture, right? What behaviors, what attitudes do I have? And is it supporting this culture of inclusivity or is it creating um, an environment that could potentially be toxic, right? And Absolutely. So it's that balance of, again, checking in with self um, because that is what is creating that culture. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you have a choice. You can show up and be your very best or you can show up and be your very worst. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they both come from the same place and it's how you choose to lead yourself. You, you have this incredible opportunity to lead others. The results will come if you focus on these basics, right? And to your point, this is something that's often forgotten and not cultivated enough. So it's the onus is on the, the individual, the leader to cultivate it themselves. We can no longer afford to wait around for um, the organization to have a program that supports this because we are now in a time where it just comes down to people yes, and yes, being yes. human. And part of being human is not being perfect. Part of being human is showing up in your authentic self and be willing 
and ready to confront what comes with that. You know, many times I would tell my team, you know what, I'm a hot mess today. I'm here and I'm going to give it the very best. But they would appreciate it because I was no longer masking it. You know, and this was, I, I became more courageous about this when I learned I had ADD. And everyone finally understood why I would show up in certain ways sometimes. So it kind of became a safe space for me to also show up authentically and be human. And funny enough, that vulnerability and that humanity just created more connection, which in the end helped us get better business results. So I always go back to the basics. I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer that there's always a root somewhere. Go, mm-hmm. go out there, dig it, dig through, and connect with it. I love the humanness aspect of what you just said because that's what the ask has been for many employees post pandemic. Right? It's this treat me as a human, mm-hmm. right? That bring the humanity back into the work place. It's not all about widgets. <laughs> it's about the people. And without the people, there are no widgets. <laughs> so it's like, how do you prioritize? How do businesses or organizations prioritize what's most important? Um, and for so long, it's been the bottom line, but there is no bottom line if there's no people. And, you know, I think slowly but surely companies are getting the message. Obviously, smaller organizations have a harder time at this because they don't have, they may not have the resources. But, you know, I just read uh, McKinsey's report of the state of the organization. If I remember correctly, six out of, uh, not even, eight out of the 10 items were people related. Okay. So, you know, talking about the talent, impact and talking Mm -hmm. about how people view work and wellness and you know managing resources and upskilling and reskilling so we have an amazing opportunity to really shift the way work is done yeah and we can't do that if we don't start with ourselves and we don't start having those courageous conversations with ourselves, looking in the mirror, taking off the mask, looking at all the acne that's in there, whatever other icky stuff. And then coming back from that, right? Show up from that. Because what people want to see from managers, leaders, and everyone supporting them in the organization is humanity. It's authenticity. It's transparency. It's communication, it's empathy, it's compassion, it's all the things that are not considered part of a curriculum in school, but it's all the things that matter. So companies are shifting from that widget mentality to more of a people-centric strategy mentality because they understand that at the root of all widgets and at the root of all business success, is people. You know, we had a guest on, and I'm trying to, to find the name, but we had a guest on not too long ago where we talked about, um, you know, what what you just named, right? Empathy and compassion and all of these things for so long have been seen as unimportant soft skills, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're the skills of, they're the women's skills. Um, that's, yeah, that's another whole- door, Sasha. <laughs> Door. <laughs> um, but 
how she framed it was like, no, these are superpowers. Because if you have that and the ability to do all of these things that are considered soft skills, you are a man, like you are a 21st century manager because those are the skills that are, are required, right? Those are the ones that take much more time to nurture and to grow than, you know, moving something from column A to column B, right? You can do that easily. It's these other skills that are so important. And so I'm glad that you you called that out because when we think about, again, culture and organizations and leadership, this is the direction that it's going. Like this, it's the direction it's been in for a while, but I think this pandemic has really pushed these to the forefront as something that is beyond critical for every inclusive leader to have. Absolutely, you know, inclusivity is, it's often used uh, interchangeably and it's often used in, almost academically. But yeah. I wanna say that inclusivity is just about being human. It's about accepting people where they are and seeing them for, for who they really are and coexisting in that space, which mm -hmm. is why I love the you know cultural intelligence because it's a framework that teaches you the skills to navigate different cultures and different contexts. And there's this big myth out there that culture is about race and ethnicity. It's so much more than that. There's mm -hmm. so many other dimensions to culture, right? We mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned that soft skills are related to, to women or it's a woman topic. But culture, you know, involves gender, involves uh, sexual identity, gender identity, right? Yeah. It involves neurodiversity and so many other dimensions, socioeconomic status. So yeah. being an inclusive leader is being somebody that is human and can, um, can coexist with someone else's humanity that understands their identity well and the different dimensions of their identity yet coexist authentically with someone who has a different multidimensional identity, right? Yeah. So that is the essence of inclusivity. It's not this or that. It's not, you know, you're in this bucket and I'm in this bucket and you know, how do we bridge? No, it's, it's coexisting within the same space. I love it. I love it. You know, and as much as the work I do around psychological safety and that first stage being inclusion safety, that's really all it is. Like the ask is just treat me as if I'm a human being. Right. And so it goes back to that humanity. It goes back to just that basic need of wanting to, to just be connected um, regardless of the identities that I may have or be a part of. So I, I love that. So Lauren, I'm gonna pivot again to this work is not easy. Um, and especially, you know, you're doing this from this global context. How do you fill your cup? Like, what do you do to take care of yourself in this? And you talked about, you know, working out a little bit earlier. What don't I do? Like yesterday, I went to acupuncture and I had not gone Ooh. in, uh, in gosh, I want to say over a month, just because the schedule was really hectic. And if she had not been badgering me to go back, I would probably <laughs> wait another couple of months. But 
Uh, you know, I do, I do exercise daily. I have this rule that I need to sweat daily. It helps me focus. It helps, uh, it helps me balance. And it also mm. helps me feel like I'm showing up for myself, mm. uh, which in essence helps flow into everything else that I'm doing. I love spending time with family. I love uh, traveling. I love my sanity walks, which I also do daily, mm. whether they're five minutes or, or 15. I love walking and just listening to the birds or the wind or, or the leaves rustle around me. So sometimes it's just the simple things. I really fill my cup, putting my feet in the, in the water at the beach. Uh, lately, I have I've loved watching baby videos on Instagram. They're just so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> they are. the oddest thing, but they make me laugh so much. Um, so really the simplest things are the things that, that fill my cup. And of course, you know, I, um, if you're a person of faith, which I am, I love talking to God all day, every day. He also fills my cup, even though I, I yell more than I talk sometimes. <laughs> Uh, conversations yeah yeah <laughs> oh I love it I love it you know and and it's so tied to the conversation that we've had right it's the the humanity of it all the humanness of it all and in connecting back to the simpler things um you know even though the baby videos are hilarious and funny but that those are the simple <laughs> things right it's just it's just sometimes just they do funny things and they can just although my daughter up. thinks yeah i think my daughter thinks it's because of consciously i'm ready to be a grandmother i, I don't know but it really <laughs> does fill my cup right now. oh goodness i and love it no know, pressure no I, pressure no pressure i have to credit a former he to this day he's my biggest mentor uh when i started my management journey he would tell me you know the don't relax, take a breath. Like don't, you know, don't get so flustered. It, it mm. was, we're, we're not so, you know, we're not saving lives. We're not doing brain surgery. We're, it's gonna, you're gonna figure it out. You yeah. know, because I would come to him feeling flustered and, and, you know, typical perfectionist, right? Everything has to be fixed. And it was because of him that I started taking self-care uh, more seriously. You know, and having that space to to honor myself in that way also helped. So I took it upon myself to help others and other leaders to do that for their teams. Yeah, um, it's so important. Mm -hmm. It's so important, and it's so so often overlooked. So, yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you for being with us today. How can folks? find you if they want to follow up if they want to learn more absolutely you can go to cultura uh, c-u-l-t-u-r-a dot global and learn more about what cultura does uh you can also go to lauren l-o-r-e-n-r-o-s-a-r-i-o dot com to read more about the work i'm doing uh, with my upcoming book the Power of Cultural Intelligence, talking about my journey towards becoming culturally intelligent. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much for being with us today. I, yes, I just took away so much because, um, we're, yeah, 
<laughs> we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same wavelength. We're 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 what we're connected. We're connected, yes. And I'm gonna start closing some of these doors. Um <laughs> But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And thank you everyone for being a part of this conversation of DEI After Five. You can find us every Tuesday at 5.15 p.m. Eastern on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. Until next time, have a good one. Okay.